Alrighty then, hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I am your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... Peter West and Salmon. Hope you all are doing well back in the 519-216 or 226-whatever, G-Town. Hope you're all doing good down at the Royal City. Yeah, are you are you joining us for Christmas? I will be. I'll be heading down. I'm missing. I'm missing the old Royal City. So, I'm hyped for some holidays <laughs> down there, down in the south, down at the beaches. <laughs> the beaches at Guelph Lake. Yep, exactly. Nice warm winter beaches. All right. Well, um, we'll advise our listeners to book early and book often if they want FaceTime with uh, PWS. Yeah, I'll and, be a busy uh, man. That's right. <laughs> and Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new queer romantic comedy, which is called Bros. And you can now watch that on all of your premium VOD platforms, including Cineplex, Apple, Google, YouTube, Amazon, and the like. That is going to be in the back half of the show, and I am completely grateful that uh, we're we're not doing something Christmas related uh, (laughs) for for this for this last uh, kind of uh, full episode before Christmas, because next week we do have our Christmas movie musics episode that we always run before Christmas time. Um, And then we'll have our year end show uh, the week after that. So this is kind of like our first our our last regular show of 2022. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Then it's not uh, holiday related. That's good. Good conclusion (laughs) of that. And it's nice to look at something that was perhaps overlooked. And we may uh, Mm -hmm. talk in the review about uh, the the degree of crime in which it was overlooked. But um, we're going to save those comments for uh, the second half. We're going to get into the uh, beginning of the show by looking ahead to next year. And uh, we kind of do this at the end of every year where, I mean, we also look past and talk about the best of the best movies of the year. But we also like to stop and look ahead to movies that we might be talking about in the next year. And of course, uh, if you're uh, staying on top of your calendar, that is 2023. Um, Probably the first year in a while where there won't be any kind of in, uh, COVID interruptions, um, last minute um, moving and uh, coping with uh, co- pandemic disruptions that uh, people may f- remember, or they may not that uh, in, in uh, what was the month, the first month of the year, January in January, <laughs> uh, Movie theaters here in Ontario were shut down as uh, there was a, a lockdown after the Omicron wave or in the middle of the Omicron wave. So uh, they didn't open up, I think, until early to mid-February, um, which is why we reviewed uh, Scream rather late. It, it opened in January in theaters and uh, because theaters were closed here, it didn't come to a theater near us until February. I wondered but, why. I yeah. wondered why this Guelph, Nev Campbell-born radio show had not reviewed it so i'm glad to hear that's the reason and thank you well thanks you well i mean we did review it just you know it was later than we might have liked um so looking ahead to 2023 with a little bit more optimism we're going to dedicate this first part of the show to looking ahead to movies um in 2023 uh before that uh i or before we do our list 
uh, we took we made the executive measure of taking one movie specifically off our list or making it ineligible for our list and just gonna uh, sort of leave it out here on our on its own because I think it could have easily made both of our lists and that is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny the fifth and reputedly final Indiana Jones movie and would I be correct Peter in assuming that's something you're looking forward to Yo, yeah, I'm hyped for it. I, I kind of wish it was just a uh, more direct continuation of the uh, fourth because I'm a Shia LaBeouf fan and I would be very okay if it was him rocking the hat. But, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm still I love Indiana Jones. He's he's one of my favorite characters. So even if it's just him, the OG one, I'm I'm definitely excited. It's also I forget his name, but Sam, Ra- not Sam Raimi, but uh, it's by like a phenomenal director. Yeah, he's James done, Mangold. Yeah, James Mangold, man. Who so I'm did for that? I'm glad they uh, were able to nab him. Yeah, uh, James Mangold. For people who don't know, did the last two uh, Wolverine movies, and uh, he also directed Walk the Line and 310 to Yuma. So uh, he is an interesting choice. Uh, oh, I would yeah. be interested well, to well, see. Even though, well, actually, I, I guiltily did really like The Wolverine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's with Logan. Logan is such an outstanding film, such outstanding ending, and it is already based around something existent like indiana jones so i have Mm -hmm. a lot of faith in that sense just through logan and i know what he's able to accomplish yeah that's a good comparison actually um the sidekick in in dial of destiny is phoebe waller bridge who plays indiana jones's goddaughter um and then the villain is played sorry 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 go on I was just I was just saying he she plays his goddaughter and then Matt Mickelson is the villain. Apparently, um, he is a former Nazi who is one of the uh, Nazi scientists who was recruited by the U.S. in Operation Paperclip because it's all uh, the, the plot takes place in 1969 around the moon landing and uh, Nazis still be up to no good even in the 60s. I was so. not aware it was set in 1969. So that, yeah, makes sense that uh, old Shia LaBeouf, I guess, won't be in it. <laughs> um, also, Shia LaBeouf's going through some things that perhaps um, make him an undesirable quantity in a Walt Disney production. Uh, yeah, but then the one interview kind of like turned that around a bit. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. He's still, there's definitely some controversy around Shia mm-hmm. LaBeouf. Yeah. Um, and also, I think... Peter, you may be the only person who was like, yes, I want, what was his name? Mutt? Mutt Williams was his name in that movie? I think you're the only, maybe one of two or three people on planet Earth who are like, yes, I want the further adventures of Mutt Williams. Yeah, that was my right. And I stand by it. <laughs> all right. I stand all by right. It. Okay, good, good. <laughs> all right. Um, so with the exception of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Peter, why don't you begin uh, your list with uh, one of the films you're looking forward to in 2023? Yeah, so since it's 2023, I was looking through, and what really stood out to me, I just thought it was interesting, there is so many third films coming out next year. So mm. I started with The Equalizer 3, because mm-hmm. uh, I reviewed, I think we, I mean, we maybe reviewed no, not the first one. We reviewed the second one. And mm-hmm. I remember it was surprisingly good. I'm not usually an action guy, but I am always 100% of the time a Denzel Washington guy. And it was just him doing some amazing action stuff. You know, camera was fine. But mm-hmm. the action, his stunts, everything he was doing, just jumping around, shooting, 
It's Denzel Washington. He's shooting. And I liked it. <laughs> uh, what I'm really excited for, and the reason I also put it in, um, Dakota Fanning is going to be the uh, main co-star in it. So I'm excited mm. to see that. It is not who I expected for an equalizer one. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I'm a, I'm a Sony man. I'm a go-to Sony guy. So I like to see their films be successful a lot of them are, are crap i'd say the majority are crap so <laughs> there's always some enjoyment of scene one succeed and i hope that's the case for equalizer three i know the first two they didn't get like amazing reviews but they uh did okay money wise and most people like action films would agree it was you know they were a lot of fun um so yeah they are fun for for a fun denzel washington time and i think equalizer three will bring that yeah, I'm trying to remember who was the co-star in the first Equalizer. It was Chloe. Yes, Chloe Grace yeah. Moretz. Um, it was pretty dominantly still him, though, whereas I'm kind of hoping for Equalizer 3, it is more of a camaraderie, like hmm. him, you know, them together, uh, which will be fun. It's also the same director as the other ones. Um, and it's on Fuqua. And, yeah, and I think he's great. Um, I was a young and got to keep that in mind. I was 10, but I, I loved Kane Arthur growing up and... Uh, <laughs> Is you know, Equalizer is objectively a better film, so of course I'm going to stick around for it. Yeah, uh, like the Equalizer movies are solid action movies and a good showcase for Denzel. And uh, yeah, it, it just uh, we don't really get that just like solid sort of middle of the road action movies. It's like we're going to win a couple hours, watch Denzel beat up some guys and. Well, and a lot of times for that too, it's like a direct to DVD or you know, it's yeah, like a yeah, Diesel work. So I, I it, it, they put a lot of effort, a lot of money in Equalizer three, and it's by a high enough end director that I, you know, it mm-hmm. uh, it gets more of the focus I think it deserves and of a higher quality than other action films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of these movies have been sort of relegated to the the red box oeuvre and for people who don't know what red box is it's this production co- it's this production company that cranks out a lot of these movies um that have you know an action star from the 80s or 90s in them and they appear in five minutes but they make up 80 percent of the poster <laughs> and um it's uh very generic but uh you know anton fuqua is not a, a generic filmmaker i don't think no, um, no, it's also uh, washington's fifth time uh in one of his films so yeah, so they solid, have a good working relationship. Number. Yeah, yeah. All right, actually, my film is also a sequel of sorts. Um, I guess it is the fifth film in the franchise, technically. Um, it's called Evil Dead Rise. It comes out on April 23rd. Uh, it stars... Um, well, no, not stars. But it's direct, written and directed by a filmmaker named Lee Cronin, who people may not know very well. He, uh, they've made... Uh, one feature and a bunch of shorts. What I find interesting about this is, well, number one, it's an Evil Dead film. I don't think there's been ever been a bad Evil Dead film. There, uh, I think this may be controversial. I think Army of Darkness is okay, but um, I, I don't think there's ever been like a bad Evil Dead film. So this one's different. Instead of taking place in a cabin in the woods or back in the, I want to say, 13th century in Army of the Dead. Um, this one takes place in an LA apartment building. A woman goes and visits her sister and her family, uh, in this apartment building. And then, uh, you know, uh, they, they, they find a book bound in human skin in some weird Druidish language that they probably shouldn't read out loud and stuff happens. 
And I'm very interested in seeing what exactly that entails. I think there's been one piece of key art that's been released, and it's basically like uh, a, a POV through a peephole, and there's a deadite standing on the other side of it. <laughs> and that is all I've seen from this movie so far. Um, but I'm in for it just because the concept alone, uh, it'll be interesting to see like what an Evil Dead movie looks like someplace a little less isolated and uh, what it looks like with this kind of new cast and also new creative voice. Uh, I think it was J.A. Boyana or if it was Fidi Alvarez. I can't remember which one of them directed the Evil Dead 2013, technically a remake, sort of a continuation. Um, but it was, it, it, it still had heavily the involvement of Sam Raimi, Rob Tappert and Bruce Campbell as producers. Tappert is still the producer, but it seems like Raimi and Campbell both have kind of like a hands-off. Yeah. I'm looking at the wiki right now and their names are nowhere. Yeah. So I think no they... Raimi. Uh-oh. You're still excited for this one? Well, I, I, I mean, uh, that's kind of like the danger zone, right? Like, am I excited about it because it's an entirely new creative vision for the Evil Dead, or is not is is having Raimi so far off from you know having creative input that it's going to be a danger? I don't know. That's what kind of makes it exciting. Yeah, I've noticed the director Lee Cronin has not really any uh, standout films yet. It's kind of shorts and everything. So for all we know, yeah, this could be an outstanding one. This could be uh, Evil Dead Rise, the first kind of major debut from. Mm-hmm. What we'll know in the future is a A-list horror director. Yeah, it could tank. It could be awesome. I look forward to finding out on April 23rd. You got this, Lee Cronin. <laughs> I know he's listening. Peter, we're, uh, what, what's your number two pick for okay. next year? Uh, number two for me. Pumped out another uh, third one. Uh, Creed 3. Uh, I'm I'm a huge Creed guy like all the Rockies Uh, I would watch it with my grandpa I remember Rocky Balboa in theaters you know I'm 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 a Rocky man Um, and I'm okay with Michael B. Jordan he could be kind of a hit or miss for me Hmm. so yeah I think what bugs me about Creed 3 and you know for all I know it's going to be outstanding I just (laughs) it bugs me he's directing it I feel like he just wanted to direct it so he took full control we got BJ Novak doing that this year everybody's mm-hmm. doing it it's mm-hmm. bugging me it's too much <laughs> um they're not even a lot of this time our two directors so it's just they're just having the name director and i bet there's other people you know second director or whatever doing just as much it's it's just a title thing that bugs mm. me but mm. other than that i like rocky michael b jordan is an okay actor uh and i do absolutely love the first three uh first two creeds um i also find it very interesting and it makes me more inclined to see it rocky balboa mr uh some of you might know him as sylvester stallone uh <laughs> he has been trashing this film he has been mm. saying it's gonna be boring it's gonna be too dramatic just it really not he said it is not gonna be anything like the priors and it is going in a direction he's not okay with now i don't really like stallone that much i don't really know what his political views or anything are maybe his reasoning is, you know something i'm against uh, but it still makes me a little worried. It makes me worried. I think I'm he's also a, little... a huge fan of Tessa Thompson, but I'm worried. Yeah. Uh, as in the last couple, Creed will just overtake Bianca. She's just kind of his secondhand, you know. And I, I would prefer if she had more uh, of a dominant kind of role herself in it. So that's I got some hope for that. Mm. Uh, but overall, yeah, I'm 
I'm a Rocky fan. I really like boxing. I hate UFC. I hate all of that. It's not my thing. I find it a little peculiar. Uh, but boxing, you know, uh, waist up your fists. I think it's cool. I think it's cool. And Michael B. Jordan, he's okay enough. And he's good enough. He's phenomenal at boxing. He's phenomenal at visual displays, physical actions. And I think for Creed 3, that's enough, especially with amazing Tessa Thompson and Wood Harris. Um, mm. Some people I, I do think are great actors. Michael Jordan, not awful. He's just, he's standard. He's mm-hmm. a standard. He's a standard guy. So I'm worried for the film Creed 3, but I'm also very excited. And uh, even if it's bad all around, a couple months after, there'll be YouTube montages of just the fighting, and that'll be fun. <laughs> so, yeah, Creed 3. Uh, and you didn't mention Jonathan Majors as the adversary in this one. Oh, yeah. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. I Oh, but you see, I, the reason I didn't mention it, too, he's not... I haven't seen Lovecraft Count. I, I know it's good, but... Mm. I'm also not liking how many Disney's this guy's in Loki. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see what's up. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I, I am curious about Jordan as a director. Um, yeah, I would have been a few years ago, but they're all doing it now. mm. All of them, every actor. I mean, like directed it, like I said, right? It's just whatever. Didn't Allison Breeder are like, well, look, we got Olivia Wilde doing all this directing. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's it's something that like there was that phenomenon in the '90s where every director, where every actor was directing, like De Niro was directing. Yeah, Uh, and there's literally universities where people go to get degrees in directing. There's people who want to be directors, (laughs) (laughs) and these people who already are A-list actors are taking it from them. They're just taking it out of their mouths, but no. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, the whole thing with Stallone is interesting because, like, he's on Paramount Plus doing Tulsa King, and I guess maybe there's. I I wouldn't be surprised if there was some resentment, but yeah, there might just be some studio beef, and he's kind of just uh, deflecting that onto the upcoming Creed Three. Absolutely, I'm not fully trusting him at all, but mm. uh, I'm just yeah curious to see it and see if any of his comments um, I agree with. All right, my number two is um, also from someone who has a bit of uh, gruntlement. It is Christopher Nolan. Um, his new film Oppenheimer comes out on July twenty first, twenty twenty three. Nolan's gruntlement, of course, is he walked away from Warner Brothers, which has been his studio home since uh, making insomnia i think that was in 2002 um he was mad about the warner brothers release strategy of doing day and date releases on hbo max of all the movies being released in theaters and so he uh walked away took his uh syncope production company to universal where they are producing oppenheimer which is based on a book american prometheus by k bird and martin j sherwin about uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer, who was the lead scientist of the Manhattan Project, the um, the project that created the atomic bomb, uh, playing Christopher, or excuse me, playing uh, Oppenheimer is a regular presence in Nolan films. Killian Murphy, um, also fellow uh, Nolan players, Kenneth Branagh, Gary Oldman, Matt Damon, and David Desmalkin are also back. But there are, I mean, this is a murderous row cast by any stretch of imagination. You got Robert Downey Jr. in his first, like, non-franchise movie, probably since The Judge almost 12 years ago. 
um, playing. Thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. No, a, a completely agree. Playing one of the scientists on the Manhattan Project. You have Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, Remy Malik, Benny Safdie, Alden Ehrenreich. Um, you know, so many interesting cast members. Um, I'm also interested to see because I don't know what action quotient, like a lot of, <laughs> there's always an action quotient to Christopher Nolan's movies. Um, and I'm not sure uh, Oppenheimer was doing a lot of action in Los Alamos. Like he wasn't like, you know, skyjacking any planes. And <laughs> he said to, there's, it's going to be like all his ones prior. There's not going to be any CGI or at least uh, it dominating. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, I think like just the other day, he said um, the, uh, the New Mexico bombing scene. He said it was near impossible, but no CGI. So I am very excited to see that. Even in just the teaser trailer, then that means all of that magma or whatever it is, you know, it's, I don't <laughs> yeah. think that's like heavily CGI. So there's going to be some of that classic Nolan going on, which I'm excited for. He literally had the cast build an atomic bomb and then set it off in the <laughs> desert. No, I, I, I don't know. It's, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, Nolan's always kind of CGI resistant or like it wants to use it as minimally as possible, which um, is, I think we, we understand the, the impulse. But uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, what he does with the life and times of uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer, who um, is an interesting figure, both while he was developing the bomb and after the the bomb was developed and like his own reticence and the reticence of a lot of people on the Manhattan Project about what they had created. So, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting movie to watch. And uh, I think Nolan um, is really stretching here in a way that maybe he hasn't since. I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe since Batman, since he was like, when he became like an action guy with Batman. So, uh, yeah, Oppenheimer, July. I, I'm I will, also, uh, oh, sorry, go on. I was you just going to say, I'll, I'll, in the theaters? I will be there, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there in the theaters as Christopher Nolan intended. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you got to see a Nolan in theaters. Also, for me, I'm just super hyped. Uh, Cillian, uh, you said Killian, Killian Murphy? Mm-hmm. I always just thought it was Cillian Murphy. I think it's Killian. Yeah, you're right. I always just Cillian. I assumed he was Italian, but no, he's Irish, so it would absolutely he's Irish. Be, yeah, more yeah. more of a Gaelic speak Killian Murphy. Um, anyways, Mr. Murphy. Uh, he's not usually <laughs> that main. You know what I mean? He's, it's an appearance. The last mm-hmm. like big main film I can think of that made a lot, and he's the absolute star. Would be like Twenty Eight Days Later. You know, I. I mm. <laughs> A long time ago, at least that I've seen. I think Red Eye too, but they all you know the two thousands. So I'm excited to see him again as like a main main in a you know over one hundred mil blockbuster film. Um, well, he's, he's been doing he's been doing Peaky Blinders as TV, right? Yeah, that's but I mean that's that's, that's why he's been doing Peaky Blinders on TV. So yeah, that's he's a main in TV. We're talking film, right? I'm glad he's back into the true arts, the big screen <laughs> as a main. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right then uh why don't you give us your third pick then yeah so i again my third pick i picked guardians of the galaxy volume three <laughs> mm-hmm. and the reason i'm excited for it i am i am so hyped for it is because it's gonna fail you know what i mean it's gonna fail it's gonna destroy chris pratt it's gonna destroy gun and it's just really finally give a little conclusion to this seen it before mcu stuff we got going on 
Yeah, I, I honestly think mm-hmm. it's going to be following. This is what I'm hyped about. It's following the Mario film, right? Chris mm-hmm. Pratt's not Mario. He'll never be Mario. He's awful. Mm-hmm. People already hate him. <laughs> They're going to hate him even more because of that. He's the main character in this. Who's going to want to see this? Even if it does good, it's reviews and the uh, audience reception is going to be not great. It's also I'm just going to be there laughing, right? Because you got Zoe Saldana. You got mm-hmm. Dave Batista. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's in Avatar 2 as a main. He's in Glass Onion as a main. They don't mm-hmm. care about this film. And you're going to be able to see it in it. And you're not going to care about not liking it. Because you know that those two you love are doing great. You know what I mean? They're doing great. Uh, so I'm just excited for that. I, I There is a lot of MCU I like. But it's it's uh, it's gone on. It's gone on too much. It's too, it's too much. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're all just sequels. And the ones where they're actually trying to progress things. Like, you know, racial inclusion. Uh, just... They didn't do a good job on it, right? I don't even remember its name. The uh, Kumail Nanjiani starring one, uh, Immortals, right? Did awful. Right. They, they, Eternals. MCU, yeah, Eternals. Yes, you didn't even remember it because of MCU. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's too bad. I like Marvel. I like Spider Man, but Sony owns like half of that, so I view it separately. Um, and yeah, I would, I would be defending the film more. I think if it also wasn't James Gunn, and he's he's like the owner of DC now, and he's just. He's just too like I understand in the 80s. Like I know our tour blockbuster, like I get it, but mm-hmm. he's dominating two major comic book uh companies that could be doing some more original work. And I'm just it's just strange to me how one individual is taking <laughs> over comics uh, as a whole and how I'm just curious who his agent is and how Chris Pratt is still getting all these roles i guess all of these were like made prior to the kind of elliot page incident um but he's always been pretty open about his evangelical views Mm -hmm. um but yeah uh my third pick guardians of the galaxy volume three and i'm excited for it not to do well Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay uh weird flex uh but okay um i don't know how you're gonna feel about my third pick uh, because it's Barbie. <laughs> Barbie oh, comes I'm, out. <laughs> I'm hyped for Barbie. Greta Gerwig's awesome. And it's going to be an actual, I think, more current depiction of Barbie. More, uh, it's going to be modern. I think it's going to be present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Barbie comes out on July 21st, 2023. As Peter said, Greta Gerwig is directing. Um, she co-wrote the script with Noah Baumbach, who is her real-life partner. Um, so you have this ultra-indie um mumblecore voice for like the biggest doll one of the biggest names in toys of all time um i i can't help but feel margot robbie's influence as a producer to like really kind of shake this up she's uh of course playing barbie in it uh ryan gosling is playing ken but there are apparently multiple kens um, so Simu Lu is also playing a Ken, and an actor named uh Cuddy Gadawa is playing um another Ken. So, uh, and then you have Will Ferrell playing, and, and this is the character description I found of him the CEO of Mattel. So, I guess there's some meta text. So, this could be like the 2023 version of the Lego movie. Um, I would also say. It could also be the 2023 version of Jurassic Park 3 where you have, you know, Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor writing this incredibly rote and re- reductive screenplay. But um, I, I don't know. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, my feeling is just given 
everybody involved uh and also margot robbie's track record as as, as a producer and and being a very interesting uh, producer in terms of letting creative voices flourish even in these very studio driven movies um th- this could be something very very interesting and i am very eager to see what that might be i didn't mean to rhyme there at the end <laughs> hey even if you did it it worked <laughs> Good. Yeah, I'm I'm ridiculously hyped for Barbie just because I have no idea what it will be like, and I really do like uh, Greta Gerwig's uh, her work too, mm-hmm. and old uh, Bombakis, and he's a writer for it. So good on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also I absolutely love Ryan Gosling, and I hated I hated the the hate that he got for mm-hmm. uh, for looking like Ken. I thought he was a great Ken. I I think if you're I think if you're dream casting right but come on now oh yeah no I think if you're dream casting Ken uh Ryan Gosling makes that top Perfect, five yeah. if not top three um and the fact that they got him in the movie um also makes me um curious about yeah right yeah. exactly exactly yeah, I see in America Ferrer too Ugly Betty and uh, Superstore it'll be great seeing her too in a, on the big screen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it's an interesting cast for sure um. Before we move on into our review segment, I, it, it didn't make my list, but it's like one of those weird things that Hollywood does sometimes. There are two Dracula movies coming out this year that are like tangentially connected to Dracula. First is The Last Voyage of the Demeter, which has been in like development hell forever, which is about the boat that takes Dracula to England in the, in the book. And then the other one is Renfield, which is about the, the spidery guy who serves dracula and um i think it's nicholas holt playing renfield and nicholas cage playing dracula so <laughs> that's awesome i Nick don't know <laughs> i don't know which of these movies to root for demeter or last voyage of the demeter or renfield but uh it's gonna be a good year from dracula so uh looking forward to that yeah i haven't seen a like direct dracula film in a while like vampires one thing but yeah dracula will be great to see as a character Yeah, they're finally bringing back Dracula. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and then come back with our review of Bros. You're listening to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We cannot afford to push our opening again. People will think we're in trouble. Maybe this whole place could fall apart. We need new ideas for what goes in the final wing, and we need them now. Cherry, go. You know the blue whale hanging in the Museum of Natural History? Yes. What about that, but instead of the blue whale, it's a lesbian? Oh, no. Yeah, Uh -uh. okay, well, yeah, we can't do that. What if the final exhibit was a recreation of a queer wedding? I like that. That I don't have. Tomorrow, that is so sweet. I love that. And people can come and register for wedding gifts here. Oh my God, and no! That is old-fashioned heteronormative nonsense. We need to get people to rethink history through a queer prism, not comfort them with another 
gay wedding, all right? It's a museum. It's not Shit's Creek. Oh, I like Shit's Creek. I love Shit's Creek. That show has layers. Right, everyone loves Shit's Creek. Great, okay. That's who you remind me of, Eugene Levy. Yes. And that was a clip from Bros. It is the new film from Nicholas Stoller, and it stars Billy Eichner, Luke McFarland, Gary Branham, Miss Lawrence, T.S. Madison, Dot Marie Jones, Jai Rodriguez, Eve Lindley, and Jim Rash. Uh, you may not recognize a lot of those names because uh, Bros went out of its way to highlight uh, the complete rainbow in the the Pride rainbow by by getting various LGBTQ plus representation in the cast, and uh, it you know uh, good for oh, him, yeah, good for them. They, uh, they, a lot of them too are people who have been present in some mainstream things but uh mm. i think because of that it's good to maybe a lot of those people don't know how uh heavy part of the uh gay community that they are like you know jim rash the dean and community i was <laughs> glad to see him right and mm. uh my favorite uh i love her so much uh dot mary jones uh cherry mm. she was the lesbian head of um the museum and uh everybody <laughs> would know her she's like uh, one of the main coaches in um glee so it's just great that's right great seeing her successful uh again yeah, she has the great lines, lesbians disperse. <laughs> yeah, one she, her, her, she's one of the like really funny, just every line funny characters for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Dot Mary Jones had a lot of great moments in this. And um, uh, there was a bit of controversy because uh, Billy Eichner put the blame on uh, a lot of people skipping this when it came out in theaters back in, I want to say, September. He put a lot of the blame on, I guess, uh, straight viewers not wanting to see something that was like so terribly openly gay, and I think, yeah, I know it's it, it's I I I'm I, I'm not telling Billy Eichner, of course, how to feel, but um, I think going into this, you're pretty well aware that um, this is this is going to be an openly and explicitly sort of gay love story, um, and I think the trailers made that clear. I think there might be a couple of reasons why this doesn't hit. Or, or it didn't hit as well at the box office as it might have. And I think, I mean, one of the big reasons, of course, is just it's it's so hard to get one of these movies to be a box office success now. I mean, no matter what kind of romantic comedy it is. But, uh, yeah, but even though it's like made clear that it's like the content, it's like the gay culture. Like, I don't, that, mm. that, that being something that pushes away people watching the trailers itself is a problem, right? Like, I don't, mm. I don't see how that's a good thing thing or like i think that just kind of proves what billy Eckner said so mm. like a straight person sees that it's gay so it's okay for them to then just not want to see it because that, yeah i think i, I think i don't agree with that at all i i think he had a, an emotional response because i think when you have judd apatow attached to something and you have a lot of there was a lot of hype around this there yeah well a, he's a he's he's a character he's always you know there's uh, certain... also like i looked if you look through the google reviews like oh a lot of the reasons is just homophobia it's too much uh, too much gay sex all of that right and then people <laughs> the same people are loving train spotting and you see like john c john cena having like sex all like with a bunch of people right so mm -hmm. yeah no i don't i think that's just further proof that billy actors like right and there was yeah i don't i don't fully i don't think the trailer's portrayal of it being gay is an excuse for it not doing well mm -hmm. but it's yeah. just part of problem was too many homophobic people or people that can't handle having it as a huge part of the comedy i mean there has been a, a pretty big blowback 
against LGBTQ plus people, especially trans people lately. Um, it's always been a bit more difficult for men to men uh, or romance between two men to get um, acceptance when compared to a romance between two women. I think there's there's more homophobia directed at gay men than there is at gay women too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because like there's like homophobics that find the the lesbian like sexy, right? Because they're stupid yeah. and assume that they could have yeah like well, the lesbian has no interest in you. But it's about yeah male titillation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's and and it's like these things go back, you know, hundreds of years too. It's I mean, and it's a real shame because there is. I'm not completely up on the movie, but I think it is. Uh, I mean, I think it's very good. I think when it focuses on the love story between um, Bobby and uh, what was the the Luke McFarlane character's name, Aaron, focusing on their love story is interesting and engaging and they are interesting and engaging performers and I like their chemistry and I, I like it was awesome. Beautiful uh, chemistry. I almost um when they have that uh one like major fight near the end, I almost teared up a bit. It was really romantic and they both portrayed the yeah mixture of love and worry of commitment at the same time. They were they're very good at that. Yeah, I liked I liked that um Billy, the Billy Eichner character makes a comment at the beginning about how um, movie producers just want to make like transplant typical romantic comedy tropes onto gay characters. And and that just doesn't work because gay relationships are different. And the, the, the movie does a very good job of saying, well, here's how a gay relationship is different and, and the various things you have to negotiate. Um, you know, the, the views of, of being gay men, how gay men view themselves. Um, and there's a lot of humor in that too. I think where I have difficulty in the film is um, there are moments where it feels like Billy Eichner, who also co-wrote the screenplay where he, he has to kind of stop the movie to proselytize a little. And um, those are the moments I'm kind of like, you know, can we get back to the love story? Can we get back to, or the characters at the museum, like fighting over what the, the last exhibit at the museum is going to be, because that stuff is hilarious. Um, yeah. The- yeah, that was hilarious. Um, <laughs> like, did you scene... not? Are you being sarcastic? You didn't find that funny? I thought it was awesome. All the arguments they're having about the no, museum. no. I love, I love the museum. Oh, okay, characters. I okay, oh, okay. I just like, like, the, there's it. It just and Billy mo- actor is just being Billy actor, right? Is right. And his character, Bobby Lieber, based around him, is can be very loud and aggressive. So I was okay yeah. when that happened, but I do understand you saying it taken away from. Uh, some other comedy that we could have going. There are a, just lot of the, a lot of the negative reviews are just, yeah, people personally not being a Billy Ackner fan. He's very uh, in your mm. face and loud. But I, I personally, I think he's hilarious. I don't, I don't mind him being in your face and loud, but it just seems like there are moments where the movie stops so we can do a, a bit of his stand-up routine. Yeah, it um, takes away from some other comedy <laughs> we could see from other characters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like, get that for sure. Because I, I, again, I, I love the character stuff. Um. I love the uh, <laughs> I love the whole subplot of like trying to raise money for the museum and um, when they go to the one guy's house, the movie, I guess he's a movie producer and um, 
<laughs> you know, it shows, he's like, something. He's got a lot of money, so he produces things. I don't know. It, if he's, yeah, like it shows. It shows the inner dynamics where he, where you know, he he finishes the meeting and he says, "Now, if you'll excuse me, uh, I'm having a pool party, and you are too old." Please yeah, leave. they're both like <laughs> mid thirty, right? It's, I thought yeah. that was really funny. I, it's also very accurate. You know, yeah, <laughs> I I can view. I know what kind of party he's about to have. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's... no. There was there was great. I, I, pretty much every character had some comedy to them, which I really uh, really enjoyed. Uh, even like his brother, who wasn't funny. The um, back and forth with Aaron was was very comedic, and their uh, different way of dealing with the divorce and a breakup, <laughs> and how they're able to uh, help each other out while playing some Xbox. It was, it was funny. It was that was done well. I mean, um, that was a great scene because a lot of this is about. Not, not just like gay hangups about romance or whatever it's about like masculine hangups and the way men treat each other and the way men look at each other um just as like a species and not necessarily about like uh sexuality or gender um th- that, that's boys being boys just boys like that scene at the end is really great where his brothers had to move in with Aaron because uh he's going through a divorce and <laughs> Aaron's talking about how he's you know moping about you know, breaking up with Bobby and and his brother says, Well, you even didn't ask me about the divorce. And Aaron says to him, Okay, well, how's the divorce going? He's like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just it that's that's a typical man thing, no matter what, you know, whatever, whatever else is going on in your life. It's like I I feel like this thing is important. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. No, a lot of like jokes, uh, jokes everywhere. There was also a lot of uh, kind of in the background jokes. I appreciated the numerous bashes of Hallmark films because the <laughs> Luke McFarlane is literally in like all Hallmark Christmas movies. He's in like 10 plus. So I yeah. enjoyed the self bash he was giving towards that. Uh, but I also enjoyed its portrayal of Hallmark. Um, as you know, there was the polyamorous couple. There was, you know, have a holly poly Christmas. Yeah, yeah, and I like that because it's kind of. A, <laughs> I viewed it as like an fu to the the Full House actress who like didn't like how liberal Hallmark was getting and just left. Candace Cameron showing, Yeah, exactly. And then this film's she didn't want to show it out. It's just as popular. It's fun, you know. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was uh, some fun little both bashes and kind of compliments towards at least Hallmark's better yeah. better than hers. It is it is progressive. Uh, maybe sometimes a little too forcefully so as you know the polyamory I think kind of displayed, <laughs> but overall it's it's better than whatever the Full House person's creating. I I love the Holly Poly Christmas. The whole idea, like just it, I'd watch it. it. It was funny. It was funny, but I'd, I'd watch it. They all looked happy. They all it looked just it's it's just like how kind of and you know make Candace forgive us because I know like she loves the Hallmark Christmas movies, but I mean it just shows like so how like limiting creatively these movies are. Where you know uh, there's somebody who doesn't like Christmas, they end up somewhere that loves Christmas, and then they discover the meaning of Christmas. But I did look up. Luke McFarlane's uh, Hallmark oeuvre, and he has done. Let me see here. He's done one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Um, including uh his first one here, the Memory Book. Uh, the he then did Promise, Christmas Land, Christmas in My Heart, A Birthday Wish, Chateau Christmas. Karen Kingsbury's Maggie's Christmas Miracle, which uh, not a great title. <laughs> hey, you don't knock it till you try it. Sense, Sensibility, and Snowmen, uh, and his most recent one, A Magical Christmas Village, where he plays Ryan. Yeah, I uh, also this is just a really small thing, but um, mm. 
I have, well, so do you. I have a history degree and in digital humanities, my fourth year final, uh, my focus was on the GLBT historical group uh, museum uh, and archive set in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just wanted to bring that up because they mentioned in this film how the gallery they're making is the first was like the first in the States. Right. So Mm. inaccurate because there is already the GLBT museum, but Mm. I like it being mentioned because it is still a huge issue. How little there is of uh, gay folk, LGBTQ plus focused archives, curations, collections. Um, The GLBT Mm. one in San Fran is one of only like three. And I'm not talking America. I'm talking in in the world. There's, I think, Mm. one in Sweden. um, And there is the GLBT uh, in San Fran. And now uh, in bros, we got this one, too. It's fictional, (laughs) but still. It's uh, good to see that that is at least being focused on in film. And I hope can happen further in real life. yeah, so I, I just thought that was cool. I, I, it actually, it doesn't just mention the LGBT museum. It's like part of his job, and it actually, I think, in a great way, displays its importance and how it can be fun too. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, his he has a podcast in the movie called uh, the Eleventh Brick at Stonewall, which is <laughs> some reference. I'm glad, though, I'm glad though that wasn't like shoved into your face. Like I, we've all seen enough. Just like what does it just go with it? Just like that, the Sex and yeah. the City spinoff, and it's like all you. It's pretty much you're watching a podcast, you know. So I'm glad he was a mm. podcast guy. It's so common now. We don't need to see him podcast in every scene, you know. So I just I thought that was a great uh, addition to his character. Yes, he's got a cool present job. It has a bit to do with his characteristics and his role in the museum, but wasn't uh, shoved in our face like, oh, look how modern this is. He's a podcast guy or or a character named podcast. Yeah. Like well, in a recent you... Ghostbusters movie. Kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it um I liked I did like the beginning. It gets you kind of like into Billy Eichner's head and gets like gets you into like what the intent of the movie's gonna be. But I just like I feel like that scene that's in some ways is kind of repeated where he's just gotta like kind of stop the presses and like and, and talk a bit about, you know, gay history, gay culture, and just you know, I, I understand. But uh they could have easily shaved 20 minutes off this thing and it could have been a light and fluffy like rom com 90 minutes. Um and they could have kept the you know a lot of the romantic entanglements and the museum subplot it just uh you know it uh there's just kind of like a flow issue at times in this that i i wish it's definitely and i it's just honestly it's like it's a rom-com that's the only yeah. reason it's it is definitely it's a bit too long it's i uh even though i like this is one of my favorite films this year i love comedies and this one mm. uh, there was an immense amount of you know uproarious laughter um but it was too long yeah i i I, ch- I remember I checked the one time. I'm like, oh, is that much left? Goodness. Yeah. Good grief. Yeah. There could have been definitely some cuts out, including, um, even though, like, I love the GL, um, it's not called the GLBT in New York. I think it's just the LGBT Museum, whatever they called it, uh, Q. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I thought it did a really great job displaying things. But like you said, there was, there was a lot going on uh, there, and including just some kind of, you know, just like you said, he would just kind of go on a bit too long sometimes. And, you know, I love, the gay culture but it took away from um him a gay man's independent <laughs> stuff going on in the film with luke mcfarlane as aaron shepherd um and maybe even a, a bit more of his uh 
his his I forget his friend's name. The big uh, uh guy brand Henry. I would Hen- a pinch a pinch more Henry would have been okay. <laughs> I would yeah very funny and he's like a New York uh, comedian so he knows the yeah. scene well. That's what I also loved about this film. You can tell Billy Actors is a New York guy. All these you know brief appearances or you know not just comedians from New York. They're very famous gay comedians from New York. A huge part of New York's uh, LGBTQ plus comedy scene or yeah. LGBTQ Q plus uh just people part of that and their comedy not always yeah. attached to that yeah i liked i like guy branham uh as henry i i him walking he into re- the one foursome was uh the the threesome <laughs> with a, a forceful fourth person uh, him walking <laughs> in on that and just laughing was hilarious was I, really I, love, I love the scene where he's talking about his new dating app uh zellweger which is about uh which is for gay guys who just want to talk about actresses and then go to sleep uh <laughs> yeah yeah that was hilarious that that was a, a, an early on joke that made me realize oh okay this is this is gonna be funny good, good. but in in, in in like typical rom-coms though you do get like the two lovers and then you get like they each have a best friend and i i i guess i appreciate that Iker's trying to lampshade things by having sort of like this bigger cast of of kind of screwballs and associates and things um because there, there's a lot here and i don't know if it was an influence by um by dick stoller um there is definitely, and I hope it. I hope people take this as a compliment. There is definitely a feeling of that re- replicates a lot of those really great Nancy Meyer movies, like Something's Got to Give and The Holiday, where it's like beautiful people um, just hanging around, having a good time. Oh all, yeah, it's um, a wonderful, like beautiful portrayal of the New York, right? And it's it's the big, beautifully the big shot. apple. Yeah, it's beautifully shot too. Um, the 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 DP Brandon Trost, and I'm looking up. Maybe I recognize some of the stuff he's done. Uh, he's done a lot of he's done a lot of crap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like that, like that films. Or... Uh, well, here's here's an example. He did Pulse Two Afterlife. Um, but I mean, he's he's also worked with Stoller before. He he did yeah, the Neighbors films. Yeah, and even like you could say what you want. Well, Neighbors is great. You could say what you want. Even Neighbors Two has cinematography is great. You know, it's, mm. it's and nice, he did Pop uh, Star. Yeah. Oh well, Pop Star never stopped dreaming or uh, never stop stopping. Come on, don't now. stop. That's, yeah. Don't stop that's, never stopping. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Visually beautiful. So good honor <laughs> for that. So yeah, no, the, like the movie looks great. It it just it has that kind of warm embrace of of one of these typical. Um, romantic comedies where no one seems to work although as we said it is take place in a work but no one's really hard the main <laughs> yeah. just him being the main and it being a warm wonderful film is mm. so i find that so funny billy ackner and warmth aren't usually <laughs> coinciding right but this this uh, is true it's true in this film for sure and, th- and then it ends with like a big like romantic gesture um which is how a lot of these movies end. Too. it's, it's a, funny a funny song, song and because it, it completely goes against bobby's oeuvre and um yeah it's it's and garth I mean, brooks if you add, hey, you know what they should have presented garth brooks more in the in the commercials more more would come we all you know I, i'll garth go a step further is. They should have had a Garth Brooks cameo. That that would have been funny. Yeah, I guess I guess money costs money. He's, he's a picky one because he's not on streaming, right? He's not on Apple Music or anything. He's a picky. Is he's that picky right? Guy. He's I didn't know it until this film. I checked and he's just not. I looked it up. He's not. It's just a couple like him featuring songs. So yeah, he's a picky guy. He would have cost is, a lot to get him out of this film. I just I just looked him up on Wiki and there is like a subhead 
that he supports gay rights, and that goes back to like ninety nine. He's won a he's won an award. He's won a Glad he, Award. He has a Glad Award. You're right. Yeah. Jeez, oh no, that's that's why I, I think they used him, even though like he's yes, a gay a icon because he's, he's a country guy. It still makes sense that Aaron loves him. <laughs> they I mean, probably did it so there would be like other you know gay people watching and being like, oh thank God, I love him too. I'm so glad that we're allowed to embrace him like this. I mean, I'm glad Christian Chenoweth stopped by, and and, and I actually found the Deborah Messing cameo that was really funny. Um, I, I was okay with it. I I don't like how um uh, Will and Grace is being kind of brought back in in a positive light by the gay community i mm. preferred when it first aired and there was uh gay riots against it because <laughs> that's gay is he's just a straighty and then the guy who's actually now open as gay refused to say that he was gay during it's and it's they're very stereotypical portrayals so uh and I that's s- not coming through that's coming from rioters gay rioters from back right. in the 90s so yeah i uh, i actually was not a huge fan of that but again i'm not gay billy Eckner is he's part of the gay community if they want will and grace back on the good side then you know of course you know, but i just hope it's not forgotten that this gay community was not right. on will and grace's side back in the day you know what's hilarious is uh i saw an interview with james l brooks is one of the producers of will and grace and he said that him and the producers would always be like called into these meetings with network execs who would always be asking like when will and grace get, would get together um like so the network execs clearly didn't understand oh. what show they were putting on TV. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. No, I do know that um yeah, I gotta keep that in mind. Like maybe it would have been impossible to get like an openly gay person to play him. So like I guess I'm just, even though he's I'm straight, just... it's better than not any like a gay character. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm just saying... This film does bash that too, straight people like playing, you know, like uh Heath Ledger <laughs> and stuff. So I thought, yeah. We've we've come a long way, is what I'm trying to say. Um but that's it uh, for this week's show because we've come a long way through this week's show. So we're, we're we're wrapping up. We hope you liked it. Stay connected to us at our website and endcreditsradioshow.com or download it through the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday at Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And speaking of Spotify, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on the show. Just open up Spotify and search for End Credits on CFRU. You can also find us on social media on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Peter, where can people find you out there on the wilds of the internet? As per usual, Mr. Tarak on good old YouTube and the Musk on Twitter. <laughs> Praise be. Mr. Elon. <laughs> I'm sure he appreciates that. Um, I will be back here on CFRU tomorrow at 5 p.m. for News and Politics on Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can check out my News and Politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. Before signing off, just a reminder, next week it is our annual Christmas, mu- Christmas movie music show. And then on the last week of the year, uh, last Wednesday of the year, we've got our regular year-end top five list. So stay tuned for that. And stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. as we just discussed for another edition of End Credits. And we will see you then.